This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, February 3rd, 2022 on your public radio station, KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. On this snowy Thursday show, the long haul when it comes to COVID-19 in Arkansas. Prolonged fatigue, just And for some people, it's very profound. They can't go back to work. They can't carry out their normal daily activities. And then there's a feature called uh, brain fog. Dr. Jennifer Dillahay, the state epidemiologist, talks with us. And just ahead in a few minutes, Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore reports on a high positivity rate among COVID-19 tests administered on the University of Arkansas campus. Almost everything, classes, events, and services scheduled for today across the region either altered, canceled, or postponed as a winter storm continues to move across the listening area. It's advised if you had anything scheduled today that you check to see if it's still taking place. Another day with a high report of newly confirmed deaths from COVID-19 in Arkansas. After counting nearly 40 deaths Monday, yesterday the Arkansas Department of Health added another 23 fatal cases. Overall, more than 4,600 new cases were added in the last 24 hours of testing. Hospitalizations dropped by 36 patients. Hospitals in northwest Arkansas report 170 COVID-19 patients today. That's below the all-time high of 185 virus patients established about two weeks ago. Northwest Arkansas Community College in Bentonville is reporting an unofficial spring enrollment of just more than 6,400 students. The figure, counted on Tuesday this week, the 11th day of the semester, represents a 5.6% decrease compared to spring 2021. Talk Business and Politics reports the number of foreclosures in Arkansas last year hit an all-time low. There were 870 properties in the state in 2021 with foreclosures. That's a reduction of 11.8% compared to 2020. 360 votes are in through the first two days of early voting in the special election for State Senate District 7. Early voting in that race and for a race for a seat on the Fayetteville City Council available at the county clerk's office in Washington County's courthouse in advance of Tuesday's election day, hours 8 to 4.30. And the Razorback men's basketball winning streak now 7. Last night, the Razorbacks improved to 17-5 and overall with a 26-point win at Georgia. This is a wintry Thursday edition of Ozarks at Large. Thanks for being with us. Hope you're safe and warm today. In the month of January, data provided by the University of Arkansas's Pat Walker Health Center showed that of the nearly 2,300 COVID-19 tests conducted on campus, 24% of those came back positive. Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore spoke with Mary Alice Serafini, the executive director of the Pat Walker Health Center, about this high percentage and other concerns university officials have. At the beginning of the semester, University of Arkansas leaders and administrators held a town hall meeting to talk about the status of the campus in regards to COVID-19. Dr. Huda Sharaf, medical director of the Pat Walker Health Center, touted two different options for testing on campus. The usual testing available at Pat Walker, as well as a third-party company providing tests on the Union Mall. As we look back on the month of January's numbers, two data points stick out. The number of tests being administered are low, and the positivity rate is high. As we look at this past week, it's at 23%. What do you think administration needs to do to make sure that we bring down that positivity rate on campus? Well, I think it depends on who you're talking to. That's Mary Alice Serafini, the executive director of the Pat Walker Health Center. We keep saying get vaccinated, make sure that you're strong, Um, make sure you get tested or you'll never know, and continue to mask. Right now, um, that's probably the most important thing that we can do. Encouraging students to get tested is legally about as far as the university can go. In the state of Arkansas, schools and workplaces are not permitted to enforce vaccine mandates or regular testing regimens. 
The testing numbers on campus were much higher earlier in 2022, with nearly 800 individuals getting tested in the first full week of January. But that number is down to less than 450 in the last week of January. Serafini attributes the low testing to folks on campus calming down now that classes are back in full force. They're in class. It's working. We're not passing COVID around through the class structure. If people are coming down with COVID, it's usually happening in social or family situations, not on campus. The university has enforced masking inside campus buildings and in classrooms. One other fascinating data point is the high volume of self-reported positive tests. As we have previously reported, the testing that is done on the Union Mall on campus is being conducted by an outside agency. This data is still submitted to the university under the self-reported positive column of the data, but it is anonymized. So the people with positives are advised to self-report. Students can fill out a form online to self-report and identify themselves. Serafini notes that leaders at Pat Walker are using hospitalizations as an indicator of the severity of COVID-19 in the area. As of Wednesday, February 2nd, data provided by the Arkansas Department of Health shows that just under 200 people are admitted into hospitals in northwest Arkansas for COVID-19. Earlier this week, Governor Asa Hutchinson led a conversation with a collection of other governors with Jeff Zients, the head of the White House COVID-19 response team, calling for COVID-19 to be classified as an endemic rather than a pandemic. It's not quite as simple as calling the president and asking for a name change, Serafini points out. That doesn't work. Um, endemic is based on scientific numbers, and we're not there yet. So we have to live a life of caution. The additional testing on the Union Mall will be available Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. until February 18th. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore. The news this week that children younger than five years of age could be eligible for COVID-19 vaccinations in the near future is encouraging for millions of parents. And while the Omicron surge does seem to be calming somewhat in Arkansas, medical professionals warn we are still far from being out from under the danger provided by the virus, especially people who are not vaccinated against COVID-19. This week, we reached out to Dr. Jennifer Dillahay, the state epidemiologist for Arkansas, to find out how the almost two-year battle with the virus in the state looks now. We asked her if we know much yet about how the Omicron variant's possible relationship exists with long COVID. That's the phenomenon of symptoms lingering much longer than infection. At this point in time, it is very difficult to tell. We just haven't had enough um, time interval between acute illness and long COVID. And of course, there's several definitions that are being used in the literature about long COVID. Most of them are symptoms beyond four weeks. So we should start seeing some uh, information about that coming out fairly soon. We know the proportion of people who got the Omicron variant who actually ended up in the hospital is lower. But what we're finding in other studies prior to Omicron is that people with mild illness may have long COVID even if they weren't severe enough to get in the hospital. So with the large number of cases with long, um, with the Omicron variant, it's very possible we will see a higher uh, number of people uh, with long COVID. It's uh, very concerning. And I'm assuming that almost two years into this, the way long COVID can manifest itself remains the same sort of ways that we might have been talking about six, 12 months ago? So, yes, you know, the most common feature is um, prolonged fatigue. Just And for some people, it's very profound. They can't go back to work. They can't carry out their normal daily activities. And then there's a feature called uh, brain fog often. So people have cognitive problems. They're not able to focus. They have difficulty remembering things and their ability to make decisions is impaired. And that may have to do with the fact that 
when people get COVID, their brains can be infected. And we're learning more about how the virus that causes COVID-19 affects the brain. And so there's parent brain injury as a result. And so it's going to be difficult to tease out how much of that is um, due to ongoing uh, infection that didn't clear from the brain or how much of it is damage from acute infection that um, will have long-lasting effects. One of the challenges, I guess, of trying to study long COVID is it's happening in real time. And so researchers are, I guess, uh, scrambling is probably not the best word, but but are just trying to keep up with new cases. So that would seem to be a challenge. It is a challenge. And uh, we are seeing in the literature that people are getting new diagnosis of other illnesses as a result of COVID. So we're seeing an increase in people who are being diagnosed with diabetes, for example, and in children. So that may not be long COVID, but it's damage done by the virus to various organ systems that may then precipitate a new diagnosis. That's also part of the mix. This is a firm grasp of the obvious, I realize, but the best way not to get long COVID is to not get COVID, and the best way not to get COVID-19 remains being completely vaccinated. Fully vaccinated plus boosted, especially with the Omicron variant. The studies show that people who have had both doses of Pfizer or Moderna and gotten a booster dose have much higher levels of neutralizing antibodies than the people who don't, and including people who've had COVID before. Um, So it's really important to have those antibodies on board to prevent infection. And that's going to be the key. If you're not infected, you don't get long COVID. We we know how our healthcare systems and our healthcare professionals are being strained by this ongoing pandemic, this current surge. I imagine there might be concern that long COVID could continue to add strain or responsibility to healthcare systems months to come. Well, that is a real concern is how will we in the U.S. and Arkansas take care of all these people who haven't been able to go back to work and they need treatments to be developed, which we don't have yet for long COVID. And it's a a real challenge for us in our healthcare system. It's, uh, and I'm concerned that people with long COVID may be neglected if we have ongoing surges of people who have acute new diagnosis of COVID. So we really have a lot to address as a state. Dr. Jennifer Dillahay is the state epidemiologist for Arkansas. She spoke with us by Zoom earlier this week. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Arcom Plus, offering printing, binding, graphic design, and more. Open 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Orders can be submitted via email, telephone, or walk-in service is available. PrintingNWA.com or 444-7711 for additional information. The Scott Family Amazium is offering residencies for makers and creatives this year. The makers and residents will work with museum creative and education teams to create interactive experiences for visitors. Those accepted into the program will receive an $8,400 stipend as well as more than $7,700 for materials. You'll have access to the museum's 3,000-square-foot fabrication shop. Deadline to apply, March 11th. More details at amazium.org. Downtown Bentonville is thinking about spring, why not, and accepting applications for vendors to be part of the First Friday gatherings in 2022. First Fridays are held each month on the first Friday, April through October, Vendors have the choice each month of a full day's representation, that would be 11 a.m. until 9 p.m., or part day, 3 until 9 p.m. Each first Friday is themed, 
April will be Ron Bentonville. May is Petapalooza. June, Great Outdoors. More information can be found by following links at downtownbentonville.org. Two students at Thaden School are headed to Carnegie Hall. Bergen Hembry and Anais Rogers have been selected for the 2022 High School Honor Series at Carnegie Hall. Hembry is performing Alto One this weekend with the Honors Ensemble Concert Choir. Rogers will perform Soprano Two with the Honors High School Treble Choir. They're joining students from 47 states, Australia, Bermuda, China, Guam, and South Korea for the performance. This year's Joe Martin Stage Race in Fayetteville will carry Walmart as a title sponsor. The partnership was announced yesterday. The Joe Martin is billed as the oldest continually held stage race in the country, and the 2022 edition, the 45th, will take place May 19th through the 22nd. Bruce Dunn, the CEO of the Organizing All Sports Productions, says he expects 800 cyclists from all 50 states and 27 different countries this spring. You can find out more information about the Walmart Joe Martin Stage Race, which is part of the Union Cyclist International America's Tour, at joemartinstageRace.com. And an Arkansas Razorback women's basketball game that was postponed this past December because of COVID-19 issues within the Mississippi basketball team will now take place Tuesday, February 22nd, in Oxford, Mississippi. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. We're going to hear from University of Arkansas economist Mervyn Jebaraj today to discuss the state of the Arkansas and national economy. And we've got some big commercial real estate news on Walton Boulevard in Bentonville. But we begin today, though, with J.B. Hunt Transport, which has a deal in place to buy the assets of Zenith Freight Lines, for approximately $87 million. Zenith is a wholly owned subsidiary of home furnishings manufacturer Bassett Furniture Industries. J.B. Hunt will continue to provide services for Bassett once the deal closes as part of a long-term master services agreement. CEO John Roberts said the deal will enhance J.B. Hunt's final mile services segment. It is expected to be finalized by the end of this month. We've got a conversation with University of Arkansas economist Mervyn Jebaraj after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. As we have put the first month of 2022 behind us, conversations about the economy remain front and center. This past Friday in Rogers, there was a major economic conference sponsored by the University of Arkansas's Sam M. Walton College of Business. And, of course, one of the keynote speakers of that event was Mervyn Jevaraj, who directs the Walton College's renowned Center for Business and Economic Research. Appearing on a recent episode of Talk Business and Politics with Roby Brock, Jevaraj discussed the state of the labor force as we head into 2022. So let's talk about what's happening when we see some of the statistical information. We uh, saw earlier this week, the December unemployment rate dropped to 3.1% in Arkansas, a historic low for a statewide number there. The labor, there are jobs growing. There is a labor force that's growing, yet we see the labor force participation rate is not where it needs to be. Reconcile all that for me and tell me what is happening. Why would we have lower unemployment more people working and still not be cooking on all cylinders. Yeah, I'm gonna you know do a whole supply and demand thing here. No surprise from an economist, um, you know. But when you look at labor supply and labor demand, 
you know, if we look at the labor supply issue that we have, the reason why labor force participation rate is not as high. Uh, again, you know, we've seen a survey from the State Chamber of Commerce that showed that number of Arkansas families are not in the workforce because of childcare issues. So and that affects women more than men, but it's affecting men as well as women, uh, certainly affecting men a lot more than we've seen before. So we've always had childcare issues uh, here in Arkansas that has typically affected women, and now it's affecting them a lot more, but it's also affecting men more than it has in the past. And so a number of people are not in the workforce or choosing to not work because uh, they're having to deal with childcare issues themselves because childcare facilities are closed or because schools are intermittently closed here and there or children are sent home uh, for isolation, for quarantine purposes. And, you know, it's very hard to maintain steady employment and then have to be gone a week or two uh, having to deal with childcare issues as they uh, arise. And so people have just dropped out of the labor force for an extended period of time. Now, we would expect them to come back uh, to the labor force, especially the men and certainly a lot of women that were working before the pandemic that have dropped out. Uh, but again, this is one of those things that they're not going to make that decision to come back until they're certain um, that the pandemic is over and that these childcare issues are be behind them. Um, the other issue, uh, you know, especially with the Omicron variant that we've seen recently coursing through Arkansas is that we've seen uh, between survey reads in the initial part of December and the later part of December and early January, uh, a nearly 40% increase in people that are staying at home and not working because either they're sick with COVID or they're taking care of someone who's sick with COVID. We've seen a nearly 30% increase in people staying at home because they're afraid of contracting the disease or spreading the disease. So those are short-term big spikes in labor force changes. Uh, but again, you know, we're not certain, you know, when we're going to be past this Omicron variant and whether there are other variants out there. And so those are the labor supply issues. Uh, some of the longer term issues is, you know, obviously people retired, a lot more people retired than would have normally retired uh, during the pandemic. Again, some of the people that retire will return to the workforce, especially since wages are higher but they're not gonna do so uh, given their age and therefore higher risk for uh, serious illness from COVID, they're not gonna return until they're certain the pandemic has passed. So again, these particular supply issues, childcare, retirements, uh, fears of contracting COVID or spreading the disease, those are all pandemic related. And if we resolve them, we'll deal with some of the labor supply issues. And then we'll just go back to the labor supply issues that we had uh, before the pandemic and try to address, you know, workforce issues, education issues, and things like that. On the labor demand side, however, what we've seen is that the number of business applications in Arkansas in 2020 and 2021 skyrocketed. In fact, it's the fastest growth in business applications uh, in Arkansas that we've ever seen, and it's the fastest growth in business applications nationwide as well. So, uh, you know, with the federal government giving as much money as they did to households in 2020 and 2021, uh, we sort of built a temporary social welfare state, and that spurred a lot of people to quit their jobs and start businesses. So in addition to the businesses that already existed in 2019 and early 2020, looking for people to work, there are all of a sudden brand new businesses that are also trying to hire people. And so uh, you know, we've not only, you know, lost supply because of all these issues that I just highlighted, but we're also having a massive increase in new businesses that we've never seen before in Arkansas or in this country. And they're also all uh, looking for people to work. So we've increased demand for labor and we've reduced supply. Uh, the reduction in supply will eventually ease when the pandemic is, you know, under control, which who knows when that is. But the increase in demand is likely to stay with us because those businesses that started are, you know, now some of those new businesses will eventually fail. A lot of new businesses do fail, uh, but a lot of them are going to continue to be in the economy. So there's still going to be increased demand for labor. That's Mervyn Jebaraj appearing with Roby Brock on a recent episode of Talk Business and Politics. You can watch that full interview online now at talkbusiness.net. In other news this week, Harps Food Stores in Springdale has promoted longtime executive J. Max Van Hoos to president. Van Hoos joined the company in 1997 and has held various leadership roles the past 25 years. 
Harps is the largest employee-owned company in the state, with more than 5,000 employees and 120 grocery stores spread throughout Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, and Kansas. Walmart and Quest Diagnostics are partnering on a testing website for consumers that can provide shoppers with more than 50 diagnostic tests. And one of our most read stories of not just this week, but of 2022 so far, a $51 million commercial development is getting ready to begin on Walton Boulevard, just a few blocks west of the downtown square. A California company is behind the project. It has called Lumen. That's L-U-M-E-N. It's got about 281,000 square feet, retail space, restaurant space, and approximately 250 residential units with all the various amenities you could imagine. Now, that is a major project in a highly trafficked area near the intersection of Walton Boulevard and Central Avenue. So you can imagine that's generating a lot of conversation. You can check it out. You'll find the story now at nwabusinessjournal.com. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. If you ever miss a daily edition of Ozarks at Large, we have you covered. You can ask your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large, and just like that, you'll hear the most recent edition of our show. And if you ask your smart speaker to please play KUAF2, you can hear classical music any time of the day, anywhere. KUAF2 is our 24-7 classical music station. And if you don't have a smart speaker, don't worry. You can also tune into KUAF2 through your HD radio for free. That's either in your car or at home. And you can find KUAF2 on KUAF.com. And there's KUAF3. KUAF3 brings you jazz as well as encore broadcasts of locally produced music programming on the weekend. KUAF3 found the same way. You can find KUAF2 with your HD radio at KUAF.com by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF3 or you can use the free KUAF app. Dr. Karee Banton, host of the podcast Undisciplined, along with KUAF Public Radio presents Undisciplined Live in celebration of Black History Month. The first live podcast recording will focus on black business and black entrepreneurship. It will be held at N2 View Gallery and Studio in Rogers on Tuesday, February 8th from 5 to 7 p.m. For more, visit KUAF.com. This is Ozarks at Large with me via Zoom. To talk about a new movie is Courtney Lanning. Courtney, how are you? Kyle, I'm good. How are you doing? Very good. I have to say I'm amazed because right now we are in perhaps the deadest zone for major movie releases in our lifetimes. I mean, just nothing is coming out for a while, yet every week you still find something to review. Well, you know, when when the bigger releases start to quiet and disappear, then you just you start going looking for indie films and other stuff to review. So there's there's always something every week. You just you got to dig a little bit. And so you dug and you found The Wolf and the Lion. Yes, this is a, a new movie that's coming out. And like I was just telling you a few minutes ago, this is probably one of the more nonsensical films that I have reviewed thus far this year. You say it's nonsensical, but the title is The Wolf and the Lion, and it's about? This is the story of a 20-year-old musician who learns that her grandfather up in rural Canada passes away. So she goes up to his cabin. He has a, an isolated island and forested region on a lake and somehow then the same exact day she winds up with a wolf pup and a lion cub and knowing nothing about zoology she decides to raise them together and it's honestly the movie feels like a 12 year old's fan fiction on what they imagine raising a wolf pup and a lion come together without any biological training would be like um it Honestly, if, if you've ever watched Bob's Burgers, this sounds like a story Tina Belcher would write. <laughs> All right. I get that you would find, without trying too hard or trying at all, uh, a wolf in Canada, a lion cub. What, what am I missing here? So th this is definitely one of the more nonsensical elements of the movie. Um, you know, 
before this, her name is Alma and she's a pianist. And before her grandfather died, he had apparently made friends with a white wolf up in rural Canada. And when she shows up, this wolf mother just brings its pup into her cabin and just takes shelter there, which okay. no wolf would ever do. Okay. Right. Completely against their nature. The, the lion cub was taken from Africa and bought by a circus and it was flying over the islands in a, in a plane during a storm and the plane crashed and miraculously the box the lion cub was in didn't have a scratch on it. She, Alma is literally exploring the plane wreckage when the lion cub falls out of a tree into her arms and she doesn't flinch or act surprised. Wait, she just wait, wait. takes it home. Literally into her arms? Literally into okay. her arms okay. from the tree. This is, there is no logic to this movie. None whatsoever. Uh, let's talk either about the humans or animals first in this film. Do I recognize any of the actors? Not particularly. They're, they're you know, indie films. Uh, it's not like you've got, you know, Christian Bale or anybody in this movie, huge name, not J-Lo or anybody. Um, the, the human elements in this movie are definitely the weakest link. Uh, the acting, if I had to put it on a scale, I'd say the acting ranges from, at best, a bottom-tier network sitcom, okay. and at worst, just a notch above Troll 2, the 1990 classic, which I'm, I'm sure some cult cinephiles have seen and know what we're talking about. <laughs> All right, so... Better than Troll 2. Uh, th those are the humans, the animals. Do they act well? <laughs> yeah, I was so relieved because the one thing this movie does really well, they didn't use CGI or animatronics or anything for the animals. So she has a real lion cub and a real wolf pup for the entire movie. And they do grow up. There's a time span and, and you do have an adult lion and an adult wolf. Uh, and they are just adorable they are just really cute animals that obviously you could understand why somebody would want to idealistically raise them together in a home because they're so cute um the movie knows that people want to see the animals more than anything else so fortunately it gives plenty of animal screen time um and really the animals are why i, I can't stay mad at the movie overall this sound you you mentioned that it sounded like a 12 year old's fan fiction it sounds like a movie that those younger than 12 will readily enjoy. Yes. Um, in fact, my wife described it as the stereotypical horse girl movie, just mm. with a lion and a wolf cub instead of a horse. You know, the stereotypical, you know, girl finds an untamable beast. She's right. the only one who could ride the horse. And it's, it's its own trope at this point. It's, it's like that just with a lion and a wolf instead. You know, um, when I watch animal based movies, I always want to know something, right? I'm not going to watch if at the end, the entire cast isn't at the end. If you catch... No, yeah, I, I, I get your joke. You don't have I, to worry about that. I can watch this movie. Okay. This is a movie with extremely low stakes. Okay. If people want a movie about animals journeying across the country to reunite together, I would probably recommend Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Uh, 90s flick remake of a 60s movie if i remember correctly they just they can just dust off their vhs copies um and and pop that into the vcr assuming they still have one when i watched that movie homeward bound i thought it had high stakes aren't don't i recall some like brushes with danger in that movie oh sure okay. sure you know there's definitely some stakes in that movie but but it also makes a little more sense i gotcha uh, if cute animals is all you're looking for um i you're not going to go wrong with this movie. I, I can't, I can't say it's the worst movie I've ever watched. It's, it's really adorable. Really cute animals without vaccine disinformation. This sounds like the Facebook I want. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you could blump it in that category. Yes. It's, it's the social media that you would rather have for sure. Okay. Uh, what, what else? Oh, is this in theaters? I, it sounds like it's something I'm going to be able to get at home streaming. Uh, it's actually in theaters. I assume it'll come to streaming okay. pretty quick. Okay. okay. All right. What else is in theaters soon? Uh, well, you know, one of the big movies coming out this week is called Moonfall. And it looks like a completely different category of nonsensical. 
Uh, this is a movie about people discover the moon is knocked out of orbit and it's coming closer to Earth and it's destroying all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's made by uh, Roland Emmerich, the same guy who did Independence Day and The Day After Tomorrow in 2012. Disaster films are kind of his okay. his thing. And this is the newest one. And it looks completely silly, but I am all in. I'm ready to go to the theater and watch it this weekend. All right. What will we talk about next week? So next week, I, I hope to review a movie for y'all called Marry Me. It's a new romantic comedy with J-Lo and, and Owen Wilson. All right, Courtney's full review of, let me make sure I've got this right, The Wolf and the Lion? The Wolf and the Lion. The when I was writing my review, I put the lion and the wolf several times. So <laughs> I get it. Okay. The Wolf and the Lion, full review in Friday's Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Courtney, thank you. Thank you, Kyle. of Arkansas for Medical Sciences will host a workshop later this month to connect people affected by traumatic brain injuries to resources and support. The free workshop is virtual. It's open to the public on February 17th from noon until 2 that day. Registration for the Zoom link can be provided by calling 501-526-7656. Among the topics at the workshop, free resources, information about digital health clinics, support groups, and more. The number again for the Zoom link for that February 17th workshop, 501-526-7656. UAMS is also offering a mindfulness program to help with stress reduction. The online sessions begin March 2nd. It's an eight-week, nine-course program offering meditation skills and mindfulness awareness. The first session on March 2nd is an orientation and the first eight classes will meet from 5.30 until 8 p.m. Wednesdays, March 9th through April 27th. The course costs $300, and that does cover materials. UAMS says scholarships are available. For more information or to register or apply for a scholarship, mindfulness.uams.edu. Qualifying Arkansas residents can receive free online job training through the Reimagine Arkansas Workforce Project, administered by the University of Arkansas. The project is a federally funded grant designed to help Arkansans interested in starting a new career or advancing a career, especially Arkansans who have been affected by the pandemic. The program was developed after the U.S. Department of Education awarded more than $13 million to the Arkansas Workforce Development Board and the Arkansas Division of Workforce Services to pay for online job training. So far, more than 420 people have applied and 270 are enrolled. For more information, training.uark.edu slash reimagine. And a reminder that the COVID-19 vaccine clinic scheduled for tomorrow at the J.B. Hunt headquarters in Lowell postponed because of the weather. It will now be held Friday, February 11th from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. It's the Community Spotlight on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman. I'm joined by Herschel West today with the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Herschel, nice to talk to you. Yes, great to be here today. We're talking about a free program that y'all have begun, and you're looking for uh, Northwest Arkansas fathers to enroll. It's called Fatherhood Fire. Describe this, and now I know the fire stands for something. Yes, it does. Fatherhood Fire stands for family-focused, interconnected, resilient, and essential. And this is a program that's designed to strengthen family relationships with fathers, their partners, and their children, and to engage in healthy behaviors that improve the quality of life for the entire family. As you mentioned, it's a free program. We offer it in English, Spanish, and Marshallese. We're bringing fathers and father figures together into a supportive environment. Uh, we're offering parental classes that help with education, how to connect to community resources, how to 
be a great communicator within the home and outside of the home. Um, you know, even though the program uh, is named Fatherhood, we also serve women and couples, anyone serving in that role. When it's safe and, and deemed uh, appropriate for us to meet in person, we do offer the classes in person, but we also offer it virtually as well. We tend to have hybrid classes when we are able to meet in person. And we have uh, 12 great lessons to choose from. Uh, just a few of them. We start off with family history, defining the roles of mom and dad, uh, looking at showing and handling feelings, communication, ways to communicate, talk with children, uh, working on children's growth, helping them with goals and their self-worth, and always uh, looking at co-parenting, looking at the differences in parenting styles, empathy, and essential skills for fatherhood. We want our fathers to be on fire for their families. Fatherhood FIRE stands for family-focused, interconnected, resilient, and essential. It's a free program looking for participants now. Herschel West, Research Program Director with UAMS. Thanks for letting us know about this. Yes, thank you. The Community Spotlight and KUAF Local Matters. Tomorrow on Ozarks, Multiple Emmy winner Larry Foley offers a preview of his latest documentary, If This Walk Could Talk. It's a tour of what the University of Arkansas has meant to people, using the tradition of senior walk as a jumping-off point. Some great traditions on campus. We have the Razorbacks. We have the Hog Call. We have Old Main. But I remember John White, when he was president, telling me that, you know, the, the tradition that we have that, that is unlike anybody else's is senior walk. And I have been on faculty here in my 29th year. I went to school here as an undergrad. I literally grew up on this campus, moving here when I was two. And my dad's name is on there from the class of 1958. So every story on that walk, every name on that walk has a story. And so there you go, if this walk could talk. Larry Foley and Senior Walk at the University of Arkansas on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 and by tuning in through the free KUAF app. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. A soundtrack for the snow. We open Sound Perimeter today with the second movement of Cantus Articus Opus 61, an orchestral composition by Finnish composer Eino Juhani Rautavara. This piece, also known as Concerto for Birds and Orchestra, uses traditional symphonic instruments as well as pre-recorded bird songs. The second movement, subtitled Melancholy, offers a space for contemplation. I invite you today to listen to the birds' dialogue, to listen to the light reflected on the snow, to listen to the cold air.
That was an excerpt from Melancholy, the second movement of Cantus Articus, Opus 61, an orchestral composition by Finnish composer Eino Juhani Rautavara, performed by the Leipzig Radio Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Max Palmer. Argentinian composer Astor Piazzolla wrote and arranged Las Cuatro Estaciones Porteñas, the Four Seasons of Buenos Aires, for his quintet of violin, piano, electric guitar, double bass, and bandoneon between 1965 and 1970. The originally standing-alone movements depicting scenes from Argentina's capital, Buenos Aires, were later put together on a suite, channeling the very well-known piece by Italian composer Antonio Vivaldi, The Four Seasons. Winter in Buenos Aires features the composer Astor Piazzolla also performing the bandoneon, a German instrument very similar to the accordion that became very popular in Argentina and Uruguay and eventually made its way into tango, becoming its soul. It was an excerpt from Astor Piazzolla's Invierno Porteño, Winter in Buenos Aires, in a live performance from 1970 featuring his quintet of violin, piano, electric guitar, double bass, and bandoneon. The snow is snowing, the wind is blowing, but I can weather the storm. We end something order today with Irving Berlin's 1937 song, I've Got My Love to Keep Me Warm, in the voice of the unforgettable American jazz and swing singer, also known as Lady Day, Billie Holiday. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. Sound Perimeter is a segment dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. The snow is snowing, the wind is blowing, but I can weather the storm. What do I care? How much it may stop I've got my love to keep me warm I can't remember The 
worst December Just watch those icicles fall What do I care if icicles fall I've got my left to keep me warm This is Ozarks at Large. The Black Action Collective will lead a virtual community discussion about the implications of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s iconic text, Letter from Birmingham Jail. The program will feature a video of Northwest Arkansas community leaders discussing the letter, followed by a panel discussion. The event will take place live from Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art and will be streamed online February 9th. It is a free virtual event. For more, BACNWA.org. Reflections of the Black Experience, an art collection curated by Kenya Christian, is an exhibit reflective of the African diaspora to the modern-day black experience in America. The exhibit at Into View Art Gallery and Studio features local and regional artists showcasing a mixture of art, historical research, personal reflections, and creative writing discussing a challenging narrative about our collective history. If you'd like to know more, intoviewgallery.com. And the Museum of Native American History, Mona, will host Mitch Walking Elk for its next Hear Our Voices speaker series. Hear Our Voices is dedicated to highlighting the indigenous storytellers from across the nations. It's a virtual event, and it will take place February 12th at 11 a.m. on Facebook Live. A Facebook account is not required to watch. For the details, Mona.us. That's M-O-N-A-H dot U-S. Walton Arts Center presents A Conversation with Fran Lebowitz, moderated by KUAF's Kyle Cullums, Friday, February 4th. Fran Lebowitz, author, New Yorker, cultural satirist, is known for her humorous social commentary on American life. This conversation between Kyle and Fran is expected to extend beyond the page and into the unknown. WaltonArtsCenter.org or 443-5600 for tickets. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Snowball. Timothy Dennis produced today's show. Contributors included Matthew Moore, Leah Uribe, and Courtney Lanning. The Community Spotlight is hosted and produced by Pete Hartman in the Nancy Blair Operations Studio. Additional program support today provided by Rachel Sanchez-Smith. Timothy Dennis also produced today's edition of Sound Perimeter. Stephanie Brock produces the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal that you hear every Thursday with Paul Gatling. Please be careful. The road's still very much covered with snow and whatever else has fallen in the last uh, 15, 16 hours. Very cold tonight. Please stay warm. Check on your neighbors. Make sure they are okay. We will be back with you tomorrow at noon and 7 for a brand new Friday edition of Ozarks at Large. From the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio in the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellums. Stay warm. Thanks for being with us.